Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky. You know what? Everybody knows Joe and Eddie's here. Let's talk about the man of the hour, the king of the sea monkey kingdom and scribe of... (laughs) Gullibles Babbles, our special guest for today, Todd Machen. Todd, how are things going with you, brother? This is your second time on now. This is. I can't believe you wrote me into this again, but thank you for having me back. Uh, Love you guys, and uh, it's great to be here. Before before you you go further, please, uh, Joe, I got to cut in here. I got a man with impeccable character. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Okay, there you go. Now you can go. (laughs) You know, it's it's like Todd rented out a room in House of the Unusual, and he, he just never left. You know, we wake up one morning, and he's like, hey, guys, you know, he's got his feet up on the couch, and he's just hanging out there, man. That's me. Yeah, myself at home. So, Todd, what is, what's new in the sea monkey world since last time we talked? Well, let's see. Um, you know, I don't know, but I... I... I want to start, I want to ask, because I know a little bit about Eddie's uh, relationship with sea monkeys, and basically, um, Eddie's family is not allowed to have sea monkeys anymore because they keep spilling them. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. He, here's the thing, here's the thing, here, here's the thing I like about her, um, Mr. Todd here. Todd is the first person that I know of that can actually become a partner by laughing his way into Okay. <laughs> So I've never seen, but here's here's the thing. I've known about sea monkeys, Todd, but no way near what you know. So what I what we're really trying to ask you here is we want to give the floor to you and let you tell us the whole rundown from the beginnings of sea monkeys to how you started buying socks and underwears of sea monkeys. <laughs> and then we're okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, first... Like I said, I, I know a little bit about Eddie's experience with sea monkeys, but Joe, what about you? Is that something that you ever ordered or ever had any interest in? You know, when I was younger, I remember seeing the ads in in comic books and wherever else I, I might have seen. I don't really remember if I had sea monkeys. I, I don't. There's a part of me that kind of remembers having them, but. I, I might have been really young, maybe five or six, and you know that's you know thirty five some years ago, and I just I, I don't really recall ever really having much interaction with them. I I, I do remember seeing the ads, and I, I remember having a buddy that did have the sea monkeys, but I, I don't remember too much, you know, dealing with that either. Okay, well uh, we're going to change that. I'm going to send you a sea monkey kit for you to start and then you can report in and tell us how your little critters are doing. Oh, that would be awesome. That thank you. I will do a video on it and maybe I could catch them jumping through, you know, hoops of fire or something like that or there you, go. you know, like shows on the the ads cuz then I do remember what I do remember is seeing the ads of, you know, the sea monkeys with their crown on and you know the family and I do remember think, man, you know, what are these little creatures that come? You you get like your own little, you know, kingdom and all that, that you, you know, you're almost like the God over it. And, you know, you got these little creatures under you. And, you know, from what I've seen videos and testimonies that it's, it's, you know, nothing like that, but they're still, right. you know, <laughs> cool anyway. <laughs> it's a traditional mail order item where the, uh, 
the hype is better than the reality, but it's still all good because, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you get it and you go, oh, that's not what the ad promises. But if you read the ad again, it's exactly what the ad promises. That's often the case. What I think is interesting, though, is we have three guys here and we all have sort of a, you know, we, we have similar interests, like um, all the stuff like UFOs, Bigfoot, monster movies, um, you know, general mail order. Those are all things that I, uh, I'm i sort of interested in. But for whatever reason, the one thing that I really gravitated towards when I was young was those damn sea monkey ads. And it's just interesting <laughs> that each one of us, you know, even though we have similar interests, We've all gravitated towards a different specific ad or, you know, piece of this pie. And that's one thing with Eddie and um, with Eddie and Joe, I think they have a much broader interest, a much broader perspective, um, a much broader knowledge of this stuff. My piece of the pie is really slim. I, I am like... <laughs> We're, we're, hopefully we'll, we'll change that for you and we'll, we'll drag you into our uh, our little world of, of pretty much everything like i'm i'm sitting in my my attic right now you know it's it's pretty much my comic room and i'm looking around i got comic stuff i've got old paperbacks i've got lord of the Rings stuff i've, I've got books so i've got a whole plethora of just i don't know all kinds of stuff i guess you would call it and you know my my basement i have all my horror stuff in there my 80s toys my you know my vintage toys and everything like that so i'm kind of like all over the place i'm i'm a jack of all trades master of none so you know <laughs> well i yeah and i've gone i've gone a different route and that, like i said sea monkeys really have been my focus but now from sea monkeys there's been all sorts of little side collections that have grown out of that so um sea monkeys is the main one but then anything that was um, created and put out by the same company, which originally started out as Honey Toy Industries and then turned into Transcience Corporation, and then today is Transcience LLC, um, I collect on all of that stuff. Anything that was originated by Harold von Braunhut, that's all part of the collection. Um, so what what would you say is like your obviously sea monkeys is your number one. What would you say is your number two and three? Um, on the spot. Yeah. Say, <laughs> um, oh gosh. I mean, just in general, I think because of the popularity of X-ray specs, um, that's you, you can hardly beat X-ray specs for. I mean, that's almost the iconic uh, mail order item. Um, Absolutely, yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, and um, aside from the X-ray specs, there were all sorts of different kind of spectacles that he did. The hypno specs, um, they're another. I mean, just visually, they're great looking. Uh, packaging is great. The glasses are great. It's interesting that um, hip the hypno specs, uh, which were they were pitched by um, a famous. Um, Dunninger. Dunninger, yeah. You see, well, he was like a mentalist or an illusionist or something like that. Um, and the Harold basically got the idea for the uh, hypno specs by the old hypno coins. And what he did was he just took the hypno coins, put holes in the center of them, and stuck them in the same rims that the X-ray 
specs were. And there you have hypno coins or hypno specs. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm sure Eddie could, you know, might say the same thing. And even you, Todd, and, and you know, some of uh, the people out there listening is one of the things that I really gravitate towards with mail order stuff because. I, I'm pretty new to it and I'm just, you know, starting to get into it, you know, over the last few months and years. But one of the things that I really enjoy when I'm looking for them is the, I guess the packaging in itself and how it was created and, yeah, you know, artwork on the packages is, is what I really kind of gravitate, you know, to aside from like the monster mill order stuff that I, you know, love, but just even with like the x-ray specs and, you know, I had it on on the video I did of the package that Eddie sent me when I did the yeah, unboxing. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, where it showed the X-ray specs and just the the cartoonish artwork was just fantastic. So I I really gravitate towards you know the package. Yeah. On, on well, and I think stuff. that was true of a lot of the stuff that we talk about. Is um, first of all, it, it was the ad. There was something that was really enticing about the ad that that drew people in. And then secondly, though, the packaging was, was phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, the products, not always, not, not always great. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, I mean, and, and, you know, I've talked a little bit about this, but, you know, I mean, you hear so many people who, you know, really feel like that they got ripped off and they, ordered something and it didn't live up to their expectations and they were really disappointed. At the same time, you think about what a huge volume of mail order was happening in like the sixties and seventies and even into the eighties. People were not disappointed enough that they did not buy anything. I mean, there would not have been the supply if there had not been the demand. So, right. you know, people, people enjoyed the whole process of what they might get waiting for it to arrive using their imaginations. And then, you know, maybe it doesn't quite live up to their expectations, but so what, they still had a good time and they do it again. Right. Absolutely. Now, Eddie, can you, you know, cause he touched on, you know, the, the demand for mail order. I mean, you're more versed in this. Can you, you know, tell us how, how much in demand were these mail orders, you know, through the 50s, 60s, you know, and 70s? Well, the glasses are so much demand. I still sell quite a few of them a month, actually. Um, the situation with the glasses, uh, unlike, you know, other things, is because the glasses, I guess, gave uh, the reader the expectation that they were going to see more than they wanted to. And, of course, the the artwork with the guy and his tongue hanging out. Just, just sure. say it. T- t- teenage I'm, boys were going to take it into the girls' locker room or something. Yeah, or exactly, take it to school. Exactly. <laughs> now, he, you have a person like Todd here who, uh, you know, he's a you know, simple collector. He calls himself and stuff. And I, I called him up and we're talking on the phone and I'm telling him how, you know, a couple of years ago when I, when I bought a batch back in the 80s from TransScience from Harold, and I get this this thing with about 48 glasses in it, whatever it was, a box. And a lot of them had Honey Toy Industries in the back, and some of them had, you know, Transcience. So I was like, hmm, I, I'm going to get rid of most of the Honey Toy Industries because I don't really think they're – I just didn't like the name that much. 
not knowing that they were the first production. But I found it funny when Mr. Mr. Todd says, well, you know, Eddie, I've bought so many. I've paid from 20 to 150 a piece. And I thought I had, you know, a problem when I buy more than one. Well, you know, I think yours truly here might have beat me on that. But um, yeah, the, the x-ray glasses are, are probably the most iconic mail order item out there. Um, I looked at my uh, eBay watch list yesterday, which kind of really blew me away with the seven foot ghost. Uh, the original one that I sell in the envelope, there was 149 watchers on it. Oh, wow. And the uh, the Dracula had like, I think, 46 and Frankenstein 57 watchers. But I and and that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm selling. In fact, somebody just recently made a best offer for the three posters at one time uh, this morning. Um, still, the one time that I could say is that the one item that has never failed to sell was the x-ray glasses. And it's kind of like a product I was selling many years ago. I came across a, a booklet entitled The Grey Leon Miniature Haunted House. And I was selling that booklet. And I, I, I don't know, I probably saw like three to 400 of them over time. It was a booklet that um, it was not the super fast seller, but it was guaranteed to sell three, four, five every month. And the ad that I had written for that on eBay over time, um, you know how when you relist, relist. There was a time I forgot and it got off the relist part and I have not been able to find the actual ad because I wanted to copy word for word what I wrote on that ad because it was it was a good ad. It was actually an ad that it's one of those ads that when you start running like the Charles, you know, Atlas ad and and ads like out there that just last forever. Well, that one ad that I put together on eBay was it lasted about 10 years and it, it never had a problem in, you know, not selling the item. But, you know, you got to understand back in the 70s, the only thing that you could, like, if you wanted x-ray glasses or joy buzzer, you could only order them in the mail. You wouldn't walk to a, a magic shop and have them. In fact, I never saw one in a magic shop until I was like in my 30s that a magic shop started selling and they had the Chinese version x-ray gogs. But the actual x-ray glasses have always been a mail-order item. And that's why I think they always kept their mysterious mystique to them for the fact that it was only obtainable through the mail and it was based on the what you looked at the ad. And like you said, the cartoon part of it is what did the selling. That's the, the master part of the whole thing. It wasn't, it was the packaging and the sales pitch they use for those glasses. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this is, <clears throat> I mean, I think X-Ray Specs came out, they came out in the early, mid-60s. Um, and, but it, I mean, that's a product really that it's been around for a very long time. I mean, basically what Harold did was he took a product that already existed, the old X-ray tube, and um, even I think before that, there was uh, postcards, um, old postcards from the turn of the century that were uh, had that same X-ray effect to them with the 
feather you'd look through the little hole and it had the feather in it and it gives you a distortion that kind of um, makes the x-ray appearance when you look at your hand through the you know up to a light or something like that so he harold was very good at that he was very good at taking something that existed um, and realizing the potential in it and then having the uh just the, the talent to 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 do the marketing behind it to make it something that was even better and that's definitely what happened with um with the x-ray specs i mean he he took something that was you know i mean it was a it was a, a staple within like the johnson smith catalogs for a long time as the x-ray tube but when harold got a hold of them and turned them into the glasses those things just skyrocketed and, and you know, if anybody out there's you know interested in more of the the history or taking a look at the the patents of the X-ray glasses, if you go over to houseoftheunusual.com in the blog section near the bottom, scroll past the uh, the poster of Eddie standing there with the uh, the X-ray glasses on, and you'll find the blog post. Uh, it's called Amazing X-ray Vision, and I was able to find some of the uh, the patents, you know, from the uh, you know the from, I believe it was back to 1906 that uh, some of them started yeah. in, and you know, the tubular version and all that and going up to um, the actual glasses and everything. And then there's some, some old advertisements. So if anybody's interested in looking a little bit more into it, they could, you know, find that information over there or, you know, give Eddie a call. Or an email. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, why give me a, a lot of history. Too. What about Todd? I mean, Todd has been, We've, been, we've had him here. He was supposed to tell us about Siemens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. And he deviated yeah, how did we get from into it. X-ray glasses? And he's telling us about glasses. Now, here's the thing. Yes, Todd, you reminded me. I do have one of those baseball card size cards for the X-ray glasses. Uh-huh. Um, together, and I also told you that Honor House put out one time uh, the scope, the, <clears throat> what do they call that? The, um, it's like a back. A black pair of glasses. Binoculars. They're binoculars. Yes. And, and they, you know, you would stick a card in the front of them or something. I have those somewhere, and I know that the card, I, I never put it on, but it's supposed to give x-ray thing. It's the same thing. They just basically market it in different ways because everybody was trying to catch the craze and the popularity of the x-ray glasses. Right. The fact that they were panicked made it hard for people to copy at the time. So Harold corner the market and exploited it to its max you know right um well, well you know todd I, th I think your sea monkeys they they might need x-ray specs of their own so you could sell <laughs> you know a package of miniature x-ray specs that you know you could drop in the bowl and the sea monkeys grab them yeah. and you know, they put them on and enjoy them too <laughs> very tiny x-ray specs but yeah so but, but, but yes to eddie's point though it's like yes we're, we're are here to talk about sea monkeys but i will say this sea monkeys and x-ray specs those were the bread and butter of honey toy industries transcience corporation transcience llc i mean for all of the different crazy cool things that harold came up with that was the bread and butter and de de definitely but todd imagine this if you were to sell with each of your kids the x-ray glasses to go with your sea monkeys, people would see living monsters before their eyes. <laughs> <clears throat> when they see those sea monkeys come alive and spin around, they'll go, my gosh, I thought they were little creatures that would walk around with hands and feet. Instead, they're monsters. I mean, you'll make a fortune, Todd. You can't miss that. 
Okay, I'll pitch that. So, according to Harold, this is what he told me. He, he literally told me that in 1957, he was in a pet store and he was looking into um, a, a vat of brine shrimp that they were using as fish food. And that is how he got the idea of taking um, brine shrimp and turning it into uh, an instant pet. And at, you got to realize at the time, let's see, they came out in, uh, he, he launched his first product in late 1960. And originally it came out as Instant Life. And it was titled Instant Life for the first three years. Um, it went through a couple of incarnations. And then slowly, like 1963, the, the term Sea Monkey entered the packaging, but it wasn't the pri primary uh, name of the product it was still called instant life but they started referring to the characters as sea monkeys and then before right. long then that just that flipped completely and sea monkeys became the brand and that's what uh that's what everybody knows them as today so well when you're talking about what you said that harold walked into a fish store well Many decades later, a small little guy in New York City walks into a fish store and for 50 cents he acquires the same principal thing of Harold. Yes. A bunch of sea monkeys that I kept looking at them and I'm like, why do they look like skeletons of a fish? Yeah. Where are the legs and hands over here, you know? <laughs> and then that's when they, uh, there was a package of sea monkeys, which I'm sure you have, Todd, because you are the expert in this field. And they had actual photographs of what the sea monkeys look like on the side. Right. I think this was the kit, which I have it somewhere. It was called the Sea Monkey Zoo, or it was a it was a deluxe kit. It came in a box, the shoe, the size of a shoe box, a little thinner, obviously. In fact, it was packaged in the same boxes as TV Magic was in the early seventies, uh, when you would buy the TV Magic sets that became so popular with. Uh, Marshall Bordine and his uh, TV magic sets. And that's how big the box was for the sea monkeys. And I remember that I did get, see the box and that's when I'm like, okay, they don't look like anything of what they're pictured here. Yeah. And that's when I started dawning on me that sea monkeys did not look like little humans, you know? Right. But it took that a while. Like little aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they don't. Now, now Todd, what, how long... How long do the sea monkeys last in the packages? Like, how long do the do the legs or the eggs last? Can you you know go back a year and open up a package and they're you know they would still hatch? You know how long? Yeah, supposedly. I mean, that's the thing about the the brine shrimp is um, they're just one of those creatures that is is extremely resilient. Um, they've adapted to their environment, um, which is really salty beds of water that evaporate and so the um the, the cyst can lay dormant in that state for years and then as soon as water hits them then it they come back they you know hatch and come to life so now i want to now i want to read you guys this i'm looking on, on wikipedia and i i don't know if you guys have ever seen this or, or anybody out there listening but it reads uh Astronaut John Glenn took sea monkeys into space on October 29, 1998, aboard Space Shuttle Discovery during mission STS-95. 
After nine days in space, they were returned to Earth and hatched eight weeks later, apparently unaffected by their travels. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And well, they took advantage of that. That was a big uh, kind of marketing ploy. And they actually came out with a kit that looks like the uh, the tank looks like the space shuttle. And it's for for one of the more recent ones that was done by Exploratoy kind of around the turn of the century. It's one of the most desirable kits of the of the more recent kits. It, it's pretty cool. Let, let me I'm going to give you guys some information right now. It's going to be an interesting part. You'll probably like this. Um, I have a John Glenn, now that you said Discovery, and it made me laugh because I was thinking, imagine it had a little set of sea monkeys in it. Uh, it's a G.I. Joe John Glenn Discovery capsule with John Glenn inside. <clears throat> it came out in the early 70s, and it's a really nice collectible. I actually came across it not a few years ago. Um, there was a time that when you would buy the Venus Flytrap, which is another legendary mail-order product, uh, that actually had a market of its own and is still a strong seller. Um, when I bought my first Venus flytrap, and obviously I think I ordered it through the mail, uh, don't quite remember exactly the year or time, but I remember I tried to plant it as a young kid and, and it died. It, it never it never um, worked. And I went ahead to buy one or two more and the same uh, situation happened. So then one day, I went to a botanical place like uh, Todd did, and I bought one that was, you know, about four or five inches tall, beautiful thing. I was so fascinated with the Venus flytrap. And every year since that time, around Halloween, whenever I come across one, I still buy the Venus flytrap. But what I did, though, is since I wanted to sell it in 1993 when I ran the ad in the comic books, I wanted to sell a product that was different for the public, a product that would actually survive. So I got in contact with a company in New Jersey. Uh, I think actually it wasn't New Jersey. I think it might have been in the in the West Coast. And they would send them to me, but I had to order packets of 48 of them. So every time somebody would order the, the, the Venus flytrap, I had to wait till I had enough orders, like a week or two. But back then, in 93, you could still expect three to four weeks for delivery. So... I would wait about a week or two before I sent out the orders and then gather enough orders and then place an order for the 48 of them. And what I started doing is the way the Venus flytrap came, it came in a little pot and over the pot had like one of those drinking cups to cover it. And then it had like a McDonald's uh, lid from one of their fountain drinks. And that kept the soil in place. So what I did was, is I put it into an eight by eight inch uh, priority mail box from the post office and mailed them away. Surprisingly, out of probably over 150 that I mailed out, only one person told me that they got it and the dirt was all over the place, but they were still able to salvage the plant. Now, the reason I bring this story to the table now is because I was thinking in my mind when Uncle Milton introduced the Milton, uh, you know, ant farm, which is a very popular seller and still sells to this very day in toy stores and Walmart. When the original Uncle Milton's um, farm came out uh, for the ant farm and they still do today, they send you the ants live in a test tube with uh, like a cotton in it that holds water, if I remember how I got them. Mm -hmm. 
and all the ants are alive. I was wondering why trans science never considered or it never entered the mind of Harold to send them out uh, alive, you know, like basically seal the little thing and, and they will probably survive in the darkness two to three days. And when people would get the sea monkeys, they would get them alive instead of putting them where they have to hatch them. And well, it would yeah, be- I tell you that um, they never did that, but actually, um, it's a twist to it, right? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I um, I was doing. I did an exhibit of my sea monkey collection, and um, so the um, New York, uh, what is it? New York Ocean Society. That's where um, Anthony D'Agostino, who he was really the uh, he's kind of the biologist that helped Harold develop this kind of hybrid brand of brine shrimp over the years. But they sent me some sea monkeys from right from the from the laboratory um, to exhibit, you know, showing the exhibit. And those things were cool. I mean, there was bazillions of them. They were huge um, and they just came like in a in a bottle of water, like you get a bottle of drinking water. And they, they get made it through the mail absolutely just fine. So, yeah, that that is something that would be possible. But you touched on a couple of things. I mean, those are other interests of mine. Where, when I said earlier that I have side collections, anything that's like that, that's kind of a, a bio-grow toy, um, ant farms, the Venus flytrap, um, all of that old kind of uh, grow, uh, Uncle Milton did grow a face, uh, dwarf trees, all of that stuff is interesting. And that's a side collection that I have. But, I see. But um, well, back in the early 60s, when sea monkeys were coming out, there was also a product on the line called Instant Fish by Whammo. And at the same time, there was another product called Quickie Fish. Yeah, they're tadpoles. <laughs> no, these these were African fish. No, you're, you're thinking about the triops, Eddie. Yeah, right. The triumphs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but so that was that was really one of Harold's big battles was because there was a big. I mean, Wamo put a ton of money behind marketing this instant fish product, and they couldn't get the fish. They couldn't deliver. They didn't. Um, it, you know, it was just a huge disaster. So people were really hesitant when Harold came along with this similar product about buying it. And so that's when he started really just, you know, selling it well, himself. I mean, he really believed in this product. Yeah, well, it, you know what? It, it did work for him at the time, and it, it's still working, obviously, because they're still selling them. on. But at the same time, I just gave you an idea for something new. <laughs> so don't forget to put live sea monkeys as we, you know, as ordered by Eddie or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> Make sure you put me in the tag there if you decide to send them. You can, you can put his face on one of the sea monkey bodies. Hey, 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 listen, I, I got that stupid triops things, and, and the way they exploited that was, not exploited, but the way they rolled the ad is uh, creatures from 40 million years ago, you know? Right. You think you're really bringing back dinosaurs to life, and they started pushing that out a lot when the first Jurassic Park movie came yes. out. Yes. Um, well, triops do look like trilobites. I will, I will they, give them that. And I have had triops before, and they basically—I mean, I had them in the office, and they were basically like these really scary underwater cockroaches that everybody in the office was afraid of. 
Uh, Me too. Yeah. I threw them out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> yes, I have tryouts in my collection as well. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say is, though, I mean, you think about it, it's like Sea Monkey. I mean, this is the 60th anniversary of Sea Monkeys. This product has been around for 60 years. And that's one of the things that I find so fascinating about it because you, it's never been off the market. And you can really chart time through the single product, like what was going on in the 60s, what was going on in the 70s, what was going on in the 80s. I mean, you can kind of chart like uh, the trends in graphics. Uh, the trends in toys by the kind of how this product kind of developed along with time. And that's one thing I love about the collection um, is, you know, I really like the original stuff, but I like kind of just seeing that whole breadth of, of everything. Todd, what, what in your opinion is, is the reason that the sea monkeys have, you know, have endured you know for the past 60 years i'll tell you what when i was a kid there were three things that you know i think i think largely when you're a kid you live in adult world and you're basically just somebody else's pawn um you know you you do what you're told you wear what they give you you eat what's put in front of you 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 know um but so for me like my pets and my toys and my imagination that was my kingdom. That was the that was the world that I ruled. And Sea Monkeys has all of that. It's a toy, it's a pet, and it really takes advantage of your imagination. You see those ads and the images you concoct. Um, you know, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Even I, I, I trust you. Go ahead. Yeah, I uh, when I ordered my first Sea Monkeys out of the comic book. I fully expected to get exactly what was shown in the ad. I thought I was going to get a box with air holes <laughs> and a live sea monkey family in there. And, I mean, <laughs> I was just, I fell for that thing hook, line, and sinker. And when it finally came, it was showed up in an envelope. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're out of sea monkeys, and they're writing me a letter to tell me that they don't have any stock. <laughs> And what I got was these three little packets. And so um, my, um, bless my parents' heart. I mean, I, it, they were troopers and they, it was late at night and they uh, helped me set up a tank, found a bowl, boiled water. We've got the whole process going. Um, and that was, that was it. I mean, basically that's how it all started. And then the next, really the next kit I bought, because what happened was, um, so Honey Toy was uh, 1960, so that was the first decade. And then in 1970, that's when the company name switched from Honey Toy Industry to Transcience Corporation. And that's really when Sea Monkeys uh, took off because it went, um, it really went strong into retail. Um, and so like seven, um, 70s is when uh, like the the race kits came out, um, which are very rare, were really hi highly desirable. There were four deluxe race kits. There was a Speedway, Cycle Race, um, Fox Hunt, and Ski Trials. And they're basically they're like little um, little runways. And what happens is, is uh, sea monkeys will swim against current like a trout, 
And so you have these little uh, air pumps and you would pump the end of the water of these little trailways and the, sunk, the sea monkeys would swim towards you and you could race sea monkeys back and forth like that. Oh, that's really cool. I've never, I never even heard of that. Yeah, yeah that, that was very popular. Yeah, very popular. In fact, I had one of them too, um, which I probably still have somewhere to be honest with you, Todd. Probably um, got about 30 of them somewhere. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not I, I didn't go that extreme with the sea monkeys, but I have bought them many times throughout the years. But one of the things that I think did the most, Todd, is that what helped Harold is using an artist like the guy he had, yeah. who later became a comic book artist, doing that. Um, the guy killed it. it. What sold the sea monkeys were the way they were portrayed. Right. The ad sold them, not what they were. It was the marketing behind them. Yes, and that, um, that's where that's where Harold really excelled. And you're right, though. Um, the The first person who uh, illustrated a sea monkey, in fact, his name was um, Henry Lamoth, and he he's the one who he's the one who designed the the logo of the little sea monkey hatching out of the egg that now everybody refers to as Hatchy. Um, and that thing is just iconic. And, and I, I love that little piece of illustration. And Henry basically worked with Harold the first 10 years on all of those products. He did the artwork on the original X-ray specs, on hypno specs, um, screwy feet. I mean, he, 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 was the, he was Harold's go-to person for that. Um, and then Harold enlisted um, Joe Orlando who's famous from uh, all of his comic book illustrations for weird and for uh, mad magazine and things like that. And Joe was just an incredible talent. I mean, that guy, that guy now, prolific in the amount of work and the quality of work that he produced. Now who, who started the thing? Was it Joe or the, uh, the other guy you just mentioned? Henry Lamoth was the first person to illustrate. Oh, Henry Lamoth. So uh, who is the reincarnation of Todd Mitchin? Uh, is it Henry Lamoth or Joe? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a wannabe. Oh, I see, I see, I see. So you have nothing to do with them, huh? Interesting. Um, yeah, because you see Mr. Uh, Todd here has blown my mind every time he brings me out and sends me out some type of ad he puts together. And like I said, very few people come in that trade, like you just said, with this artist from the past. When they do something, it hits the mail order industry with a bomb. And Mr. Todd Derrick has accomplished somewhat a little bit of that. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, Eddie, is just because I have that sensibility because that's what I grew up with. And I mean, that was my world as a kid. That's what I admired. And anytime I do, because I've been working with um, Yolanda, and she is she's uh, Harold's widow. And um, I wanted to say, because I think the last time... The last time I talked on this on a podcast, I think I referred to her as um, the heiress or matriarch of the sea monkey fortune. That's how the New York Times article represented Yolanda. It's really it's really kind of misleading because Yolanda was really Harold's partner in all of this. She came into the picture in 1967. Harold was the idea man. He would get everything going. But Yolanda was the one that kept the business running, handled all of the mail order. I mean, she was really kind of the glue that held all of that together. Um, and so actually, I was talking to her about it and um, about that term, uh, heiress. And she said, yeah, she said, 
said, it sounds like a set set uh set back and ate donuts while Harold did all of the work. We worked our butts off. We were a team. Um so I well, think that's that's a really valid point and very worth mentioning. Um uh, well it is a valid point, but there is another valid point you have not mentioned, and that is the fact that me going back with Mr. Todd there, basically in the same year age and stuff and span, uh, when I first met Harold, and many a times that I have many glasses in my hand, <laughs> I'd never consider asking Mr. Harold to sign any of them. In fact, before the 80s, I didn't really care about autographs and still uh, I started attending the chiller convention and then you start seeing all these stars and stuff. And then my best friend starts tuning me, you know, tuning in me all this thing about autographs and getting autographs and stuff. But I never really cared to have anything autographed. Well, Mr. Todd there took one original set of glasses, gets Mr. Harold to sign them. Another probably worth over a million bucks. <laughs> and all I can do is look at them and salivate. Man, if this guy would be nice enough to let me have them. You know, that, that's not going to happen. Yeah, but anyway, saying, this guy's nice, but he's not that nice. Not Wishful that nice. Thinking. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, I do have to say something on that point. So uh, around the turn of the century, this was the 40th anniversary of Sea Monkeys. And so by a really a weird set of circumstances, I was doing some collaboration um, or some what a contract work for Exploratory, who was the company that had the license. George, Georgia Tamian was in charge of it. They had taken up the Sea Monkey line. George and Harold were extremely close. I mean, they, man, they were a team. They they just like fed off of one another. Um, so anyway, I was doing some contract work and I was sort of helping on some Sea Monkey things here and there and. Um, at the same time, I was, I mean, I had my full-time job, but I was also doing some design work for a toy company in San Francisco called Felt Kids. And so they were launching a couple of my products. It was 1999. And so I was going to New York Toy Fair uh, to see these the, the products of mine get launched. And since I was also working with Explora Toy, George said, well, Harold's going to be here come have dinner with us and I'll set it up and you, uh, so that you can meet him. So Georgia Tamian, I will I love the man and I will always, always, always be super thankful to him for arranging that for me because honest to God, that was a dream come true. Um, and I came prepared as Eddie said, I brought things, I did my research um, I, you know, I think I won Harold over because I had more than just a passing interest in the sea monkeys. I knew like people from his past products that he had done. I brought things. I pull things out of my briefcase. He would talk about him. He'd talk about the story behind him. I would stick him in front of him with a marker and have him sign him for me. And that's how I got the autographed pair of x-ray specs. See, my, my my meeting of Harold was a little different from uh, you. You went to lunch with the guy. I was going there, minding my own business in the toy trade show fair from New York, 1984. And I walk up and down the aisle and I'm like, man, it's 10 a.m. I'm going to have up to like 6 p.m. to look at all these wonderful toys. So I decided to go and do the toy building, which was at 205th Avenue. 
And I said, let me go there first, you know. This way I can come and have more time for the bigger space, the Jacob Javits. That's when I walked in and I get off the elevator and lo and behold, there are a pair of x-ray glasses in this display case there uh, that look like a jewelry display case. And when I saw it, I excitedly tell Harold, who was sitting there with Yolanda, and I say, oh, by the way, I do mail order. I'm trying to do mail order. And all I did was open my mouth. I forgot exactly what I said, but he pulled out a chair and he didn't say nothing else, but he grabbed me by the shoulder and sat me down <laughs> and said, let me tell you, the next four hours, I think, more. I spent them there listening to Harold and I was so scared of him, kind of, not scared, but he basically told me how mail order ran and how the x-ray glasses were. And then after that, of course, I, I called him several times and, and kept in contact with him throughout the years and Yolanda. But it was a different kind of meeting from you, uh, Todd, because you are, I think, a couple years on me. Yeah. So I was kind of like a little younger, younger at the time. So, um, you know, you get the respect as a young 18-year-old compared to <laughs> yeah. a 46-year-old yeah. at the time. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I'll say this. It's like I... Uh... I was really, I was really nervous to meet Harold because um, I did have, you know, I did have so much respect for him and from, you know, from the products that he had developed and things like that. And Harold also had a bit of a reputation for being a little bit of a pistol. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, he, he was definitely a pistol. He didn't pistol whip me because he didn't have one. <laughs> All I did was mention a name of a famous mail order person who apparently had gotten into his x-ray glasses and boy, yeah, did he tell me the story how it ran. Well, and I gotta say, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know Harold was absolutely passionate about his product. Um, it, to the point that he it would alienate some people because I, I, I'll never forget this. It's like I asked, I'd ask somebody, you know, it's like, oh, you knew Harold? It's like, oh, you know, what was that like? And he, and they would always tell me how lovely and nice his wife Yolanda was. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, okay, well, that's telling about both of them. Um, but no, to, Harold, Harold to me was just absolutely great. And he, um, he was really loyal with the people in his life. Um, really, uh, what I found out about him is he was really one hell of a friend. If he was your friend, he was a damn good friend and he was your friend for life. And he had a, he really had a softer side that I don't think most people um, got to see. Uh, so I, I, I had an opportunity to read some of his old correspondence when um, uh, Al Flosso or uh, Al, yeah, Al Flosso was passing, you know, his, his health was ailing and, um, you know, and it was just a really kind of a sweet, gentle, tender side to Harold that I hadn't, I hadn't really known before. Well, well, Hey guys, let me, uh, let me, uh, interrupt in here. We got about five minutes left. So, uh, Todd, give us some final words. Uh, where could everyone uh, order these sea monkeys from and where could they find your, your gullible babbles? At? Oh yeah. So, um, it's, well, you can find sea monkeys in a lot of places um, online. There, there's uh, there's tons of places that you can get sea monkeys. I think um, 
stores, a lot of um, mom and pop toy stores, Walmart, things like that. They all Target. What's that? Target. Target as well. Yeah. Yeah, Target sells. Um, but you can also go to SeaMonkeys.com. S-E-A hyphen M-O-N-K-E-Y-S. And there you're buying directly from the uh, from Yolanda, from the, from the uh, manufacturer. Um, she's also got, she just came out with uh, an executive sea monkey kit, which is a big, beautiful glass glass bowl. Um, it's four, kind of four times the size of the typical kit. We did a 60th anniversary poster, greeting cards. There's new projects in the works. Um, it's a great place to go. Check it out. Um, and then I don't know why, but Joe and Eddie <laughs> <laughs> you know, talked to me into kind of joining some forces with them. And so Eddie very kindly gave me a corner of House of the Unusual. And so my, uh, my little neck of the woods is called Gullible's Babbles. And it really literally is just me babbling about how gullible I was as a child and the strange things that I thought. Um, and so if reminiscing about the past interests you, come on over, uh, share your experiences with me. I'd love to hear them. And then Joe has a corner of House of the Unusual too called Crypt of Classics. So if you go to House of the Unusual, you get all three of them. Yep. And and here's another little corner story I'm going to say. When uh, you mentioned Al Flasso, uh, I don't know if Joe is aware. Al Flasso, Joe, is the guy who owned the magic shop that was called Martika Magic Shop at one time, the old one of the oldest magic shop in America. And it was owned by Houdini originally back in the day. Or he had – it wasn't started by him. I think he purchased it. And – um I, too, in 1985 or 86, walk over there. And at the time, I have about $87 in my pocket. And to go to New York at the time was like a dollar. So I had no idea who Al Flosser was, that he was one of the biggest mail-order guys in comic books as well. And I go and, <clears throat> I, and I go into this shop, and, and I asked him if he had a copy of Houdini's book, The Unmasking of Robert Houdin. First of all, I almost tripped over because his shop was like an old warehouse filled with boxes all over the place. I think it was on the eighth floor of the building. And it was more like an office because back then people would have stores in the office buildings of New York. And it would be like a storefront, but, you know, but it would be inside an office. And the guy comes out with the, with the book and shows me a signed autographed copy of the book and tells me I'd like to get $75 for it. But he kept asking me about how my mail order business went, but I had, I had no idea who the guy really was, you know. And what happened is I thought about it. And I said, well, if I buy the book at $75, that means me and my wife can't get any hot dogs or pizza. And then I'm going to have just enough money to get back, which was like about $1.25 a piece. Because, you know, from going to New Jersey to New York at the time it was very cheap. So I didn't buy it. Today, our partner... Uh, Dave Harversat, not too long ago, sold one for a couple of thousand dollars with a signature of the book that I could have for $75, you know? Yeah. So that's one of the things I, I just thought I'd bring in because of uh, the way he mentioned Al Flazzo. Yeah, anything, and, anything with a Houdini connect, connection is absolutely huge. Um, but I, I went there too, Eddie. Uh, when I was that same trip, when I was with visited Harold, 
um, he mentioned Jackie Flosso, <clears throat> who was Al's son, and he later became a magician in his own right. And he continued on the family business in that same location. And so I went over to the magic shop and had a really nice long conversation with uh, with Jackie Flosso as well. Um, and they, they used to sell sea bunky kits out of the uh, out of their catalogs. And mm-hmm. um, so that, that was a really uh, long friendship there between Harold and the Flossos. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. Well, sea monkeys were sold in everything and every place. But uh, anyway, we're getting definitely that close to that final moment. Yeah, we're we're at the we're at the end there. So I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, everybody out there, go to houseoftheunusual.com. Uh, join the forum. Uh, come talk with some like-minded individuals. Check out the blogs. Check out Gullible's Babbles, Crypt of Classics. Uh, check out House of the Unusual on uh, YouTube and Instagram and check out Cryptof Classics on Instagram. And thanks for stopping by, Todd. I'm sure you'll definitely be back again and we'll we'll have to talk some some stuff outside of uh sea monkeys and get you get you into more stuff. <laughs> well 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 when you say he'll be back again, doesn't he live in our office already? <laughs> yeah, yeah he yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just do me a favor if you have a chance, um uh, Send me a list of all the products you're producing, Todd, because uh, I want to make sure that I don't fall for the cartoons. Okay? <laughs> so I want to make sure what I'm getting. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, there's, there's <laughs> one coming up that Yolanda and I are working on together, and I guarantee you. <laughs> I will see them. I guarantee that it delivers exactly what it says it offers. Yeah, I'm kind of scared of that because it looks like I might be one of the guys that falls for it, right? Wow. That's time, right, man. All right, guys. Hey, Great. thanks for, for joining us tonight, and, and that's all of our time. So catch us next week. Take care, guys. Good, night. Good to talk to you. Good night.